welcome to the Dr. Lori Marbeth podcast. Today I have a lovely guest in Melita Lissette Besson. I think I said that correctly. I was taking my French lessons before we started. Does that sound okay? Sounded perfect. Great. Well, thank you for joining me today and taking time out of your day to join us and tell us your story. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Lori. No problem. So how I like to start each podcast is so we get to know you. If you could just please kind of tell us your background, where you're from, what you know, what you do, kind of maybe how your story of you found that you needed to make some drastic lifestyle changes in order to find health. Okay. Um, so I am from Boston, Massachusetts. I was born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, my family is originally from Haiti. So um, I'm bilingual. I was the first child that was born here. I come from a family of 12. Um, so I have 11 brothers and sisters. Um, and what else? Um, my husband also is from Haiti. Um, so I think in the Caribbean, and I've, I always say this, we, um, we, we have the best rice. <laughs> we cook the best rice, but we also cook it, unfortunately, with a lot of oil and fat. So a lot of rich foods. So I grew up eating a lot of rich foods. Um, but in a, I guess in a weird kind of way, I've always been vegetarian. Uh, out of all of my siblings, I just, I never liked meat. I was not a healthy vegetarian um, by any means. I, I was an unhealthy vegetarian. Uh, but I just had an aversion to meat since I was young, so my mother never pushed for me to eat it. So I just never ate it. So I, I grew up basically vegetarian. I would have some dairy. But I was always over. I was always the largest of all of my siblings. Um, and I developed gallstones when I was in my 20s. And I just wasn't that healthy, even though I was a vegetarian. I didn't have diabetes. I didn't have um, high, blood, high blood pressure or anything like that. But I was not healthy. I had the gallstones. I had reflux. Um, I did not exercise. I just didn't do any of those things. Um, I think the change for me, um, after I, you know, went to school, got married, I have three children now, um, it was three and a half years ago that I really started to feel the effects of my weight and my health. Um, we went to Florida on, um, for a, a conference, a blindness conference. My husband and my children are legally blind, so we went to, to Florida for a blindness convention three and a half years ago. It was in July and um, July 2013, and I came back from um, that conference, and just, in the, I was on school vacation. I'm also a teacher of students with visual impairments, and I just, I did not feel well. I just felt, um, my, my, my body started to hurt more from more, the gallstones were even worse, um, the gallbladder pain, but I started to feel the way that I hadn't felt before. Like everything in my body began to hurt. Um, my, all my joints were achy. Even my skin hurt. So that scared me because I was like, I've never felt this bad before. And I was even afraid to go to the doctor because I'm like, oh my goodness, if I go, I don't know what they're going to say because this can't be good. I, I, there's no, I mean, everything hurts, including my skin. So I just... I mean, I just started to feel down a little bit depressed. What am I going to do? How am I going to, you know, get around this? And um, my son is my youngest. And I just remember one day he came and he sat on my bed. I was lying down and I just was not feeling well. And 
you know, we were talking, and I almost felt like, well, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I have, you know, these young kids, they, you know, they need me. And I'm talking to my son, and it's almost like I'm telling him, well, you know, I'm talking to him about the future and the things he should do. And it's almost like I'm preparing him. And I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, what am I doing? And then literally right then and there, I just, you know, I, I say the prayer. And I just, you know, to myself, and I said, you know, I asked God to please help me. I know I would use the body that he gave me. But I prayed at that time for him to just help me to heal the body that he gave me that I abused with food and with lack of fitness. And literally, and I'm, I am not making this up, literally I, I just turned my head as, as I laid there on the bed and my son was next to me. I, I turned my head and on my nightstand was sitting the book that had been sitting there for over a year, Dr. Joe Furman's Eat to Live. And I just looked at the book. It's, I mean, after I said, I looked at the book, it was literally right there. And then I said, okay. I, I committed. I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really read the book this time, cover to cover. I'm not just gonna skim, and I'm, I'm gonna do it. And I committed to doing it that day. So I knew, like in the book, is okay, use vegetables, whatever. But I said, I'm gonna really read it and do it. So literally, I started to read the book and do it. Um, I just, you know, I talked to my husband. My husband also is a very large man. He's lost some weight also because I'm doing most of the cooking. And I said to him, you know, and he knew how badly I was, I was feeling and I was not well. And I said, I have to do something. And he said, okay, you know, I'm with you. You know, do what you need to do. And I said, I need to throw away every junk food that's in the house. So he agreed that I could do all of that. And literally, I just went, I, you know, threw everything, Oreo, uh, chips, every single junk food, oils, sugars, bags of sugars, everything I started throwing in the trash. My kids, who, you know, weren't and still aren't overweight, were just in shock. They were like, no, not the Oreos. You know, I mean, Oreos are vegan, technically. <laughs> you know, there's no, no, not this. And I said, I said, no, this is really not good for any of us. You know, it's getting replaced with better things. And I literally, I just did. I cleaned out everything because I couldn't just have these things there. I threw out everything. And um, I just replaced them, fruits and vegetables, to subscribe to a service that delivers um, organic fruits and vegetables. I went to the stores and, you know, I keep replenishing, putting food baskets out. Um, I have food baskets now all over. I have one. I'm, I'm in the dining room downstairs. I have food baskets, two-tier here. I have a two-tier two food basket in the kitchen. I have one in my upstairs kitchen. So everywhere, food baskets. I, you know, started getting the Lara bars that um, are just the fruits and nuts, you know, no other ingredients in there. Um, and so my kids would have those. And so slowly not just me, but all of us started getting used to just eating this way. And I started to lose the weight. Um, so that was the summer and I, and then I also started to work out. That was very difficult for me because I was not an exercise person by any chance. I was not a, what an did, exercise junkie. What did you start with? Did you start with just walking or did you get help? How did you do that? I started with just walking. I had, um, Years before, I had lost some weight, um, not as much as I've lost now. Like, I've never lost 100 pounds. I've lost, like, maybe, you know, 40, 50 pounds. And I remembered, okay, what did I do? I did some exercise. I had cut out some, you know, junk then, but not totally. But I said, okay, I did uh, um, walk videos. So I started doing um, these walk videos, walk weight of pounds. And literally, when I first started, 
it was hard for me to do a, the 15 minute walk, which was just a one mile video. I struggled and I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't even do a one mile walk on, on a video, which is just, you're mostly standing in place. So I started with that, but I kept at it. I didn't go to the gym. I just, my living room became the gym. I started to do some really small weights. So I had a book on, um, on weightlifting by an author called George Vidal. And I started just using three pound weights and just every day I would work three different body parts and um, that's what I would do in my living room. I would get up in the morning because I realized it would be hard for me to get to the gym. Um, my kids have special needs. Sometimes they need additional help. So I have two kids on the autism spectrum. You know, they have other, you know, needs. So my husband, you know, helps them get ready in the morning. I'm also needed there too. So getting to the gym, I said, was not going to be feasible for my family and my lifestyle. So the living room became my gym and I would, I would work out from there and build up until I said, okay, do more on the treadmill, start to walk, start to run a little bit. Um, started to do some kickboxing videos. So I just got all of these different exercise videos, and I started working out with them. That's wonderful. So how old were you, if you don't mind me asking, when you started your journey? Oh, I hope my kids don't hear this podcast. They don't 29. know my age. 29. <laughs> we're around there, around, you know, late 30s or 40s, you know. <laughs> so... So just so people understand, so you had, you all three of your children are visually impaired? All three of them are. They're all wow. legally blind. They have from um, congenital cataracts. My husband also is legally blind from congenital cataracts and secondary glaucoma. My kids have a secondary glaucoma. Wow. And how old are your children now? Um, my oldest is 19, which is why I can't claim to be 25 anymore. Oh. <laughs> you have to be in your 40s at this point, okay? Yeah. Um and my uh, middle child, she is 15, and my son is now now nine. Okay, all right. So you got it. You got a wide spectrum there. A good ten-year gap between the oldest and youngest. Yeah, got a big gap. <laughs> and so you are busy. You're not only working full time. You have a family with special needs. You're trying to lose weight and exercise. I mean, so when you come across people and they and tell us now, how much weight have you lost? A hundred pounds. Over a hundred pounds. That's that's incredible. Um, I mean, you should just be so congratulated. I mean, what when you meet people and and they give you objections and excuses? I mean, I see your life and I and I can't even fathom coming up with an excuse. I would feel guilty trying to come to you and saying (laughs) I can't eat this way because and look and say, well, she did it. How? What do you do to help people overcome any objections they have in their brain? I mean, I, I tell people. If I can do it, then anybody can do it, basically, because I think we're all extraordinary. There's nothing that's more extraordinary than me. I'm, I'm, I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a teacher. I'm a regular person. So, and, and I have other things going on in my life. You know, like I said, I have children with special needs. So I, I'm, I'm a busy person. But if I can do it, Anybody can do it. I, I was like the worst sugar addict that I know. Like, I only know one more person in my life who loves sugar more than me. Like, I love sugar. I would, for me to, to quit sugar, I mean, even when I started my journey in July 2013, I didn't completely give up the sugar. I, yes, I threw away the sugar packets and everything in my house. But as the holidays came, I would start having, you know, some vegan desserts, you know, vegan pies. And, you know, so all of those things. And then I started to kind of feel the pain, even though I started to lose the weight. 
And then um, December 27th, 2013, I just made the decision. I would like, um, Dr. Fermi, I was on the mailing list and, you know, he keeps sending, it was that holiday, I kept getting those emails. I don't know, it was something about, about December, um, you know, from November, you know, through that whole holiday, 2013, he would send those emails and say, you know, remember not one bite, you know, if you eat that and, you know, you're going to want that sugar craving. And I would see those emails and I'd be like, no, no, doc, I can't, doc, I can't even, I need my sugar. I, I was just that much in the throes of that sugar addiction and I did not want to give it up. And then like after Christmas and it was December 27th, I said, that's it. December 27, 2013, no more, no more sugar. And I have not had sugar since then. I just celebrated my three-year sugar-free anniversary. Well, congratulations. But, you know, you. that's something that I think a lot of people misunderstand, that this really is a food addiction. And not in the sense that, you know, you're binge eating per the you know, medical diagnosis criteria, but we actually are consuming foods on a daily basis that change our brain chemistry, that cause us to crave it. You know, just like you're arguing with these emails that are coming to you and saying, don't eat that because you're <laughs> sugar cream, but, but I need it. What does that sound like? That sounds like a drug addict. That sounds like an alcoholic. That sounds like someone who has a, a bona fide, you know, quote unquote addiction of some other substance. It just happens to be food. Exactly. And, and when you're feeling addicted, I mean, I've read articles that they say they've looked at scans of, of the brain on, on cocaine and the brain on sugar and that they look similar. And I'm like, I can believe that because I loved sugar. And the only way that I could really stop is to abstain because moderation did not work for me. I tried the moderation, have a little bit, but that little bit always made me want more. I could not stop it. And I was really surprised that um, abstinence was easier than moderation. I, I was shocked I, because I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to worry about it. I just knew I don't eat sugar. So if I showed up somewhere and you know there was a cake there, there were cookies or whatever, I don't eat it. If I make things so my kids you know, once I said, okay, really no more sugar. And then I was always the baker in the family. So if I'm going to make something, I learned to make it fruit sweetened. So like the first time I told the kids, you know, I'm going to make some cookies and I put um, whole rolled oats, bananas, you know, um, just fruit sweetened applesauce, plain applesauce, you know, and I put raisins in there and I said, okay, I'm making cookies. And then they're like, oh my goodness, we're getting a cookie. We're getting a cookie. And I was like, you do understand, like, there's no sugar in here. She's eating fruit. And my older daughter was like, I don't care. As long as it's called a cookie, I'm happy. So, I mean, we learned, I learned to cook and to bake differently. And it, it tasted good to us. I mean, we were like, you know, this is really good. And I think other family members, you know, as, as I've kind of, you know, learned to cook a little bit more differently, people like my food. They're like, oh, this is, you know, this is pretty good. You know, this is, right. this is, this is. But not what we expected. So sometimes people think, like one of my brothers said, you know, but are you happy eating this way? Yes, you you know, you've lost a lot of weight. But, you know, I said, yes, I actually, I said, I'm happy because I feel good. And I said, and my food tastes good. Your taste buds change. I don't have to have that full of sugar taste. I, I can have the natural taste of, of foods. Um, salt, salt was very difficult for me. I mean, even, it was also difficult. I would have some salt and, you know, I wouldn't cook with it anymore, but I would have things that had salt in there. And I would sometimes, if I'd go to the store, I would say, okay, I, I would want that salt and have like maybe some chips. Okay, I'll just have a little bit with some salt on there. And that was hard. Mm -hmm. um, I will say that um, Chef AJ I, on, on Facebook, 
Um, I would go on her page and she talked about, you know, no salt and she's a chef and she made healthy, taste delicious. So I had spoken with her and she gave me some tips on, on, you know, leaving salt and, you know, if you're cooking and making stew, putting tomatoes, tomato paste, spinach, because it has a lot of natural sodium. So I said, okay, I'm going to try that. And that really helped me to get to that next level to leave the salt totally behind because... Yeah, I mean, so you basically learned the value one of removing those items from your diet. So, and I love that abstinence is easier than moderation. I am so going to start using that. Oh, oh, it's it's so much easier. And I never would have thought that myself. I thought it, it would be torture just not to have it. And you see all these different commercials, and I'm seeing them now, especially after the new year, where they're just like, you can eat anything you want. You know, you a little bit of this and that. And I'm like, that is so not true. Mm-hmm. You can eat anything you want, but it's not going to work for long because right. once you have that little bit, your body is going to want more of it because it's like a drug. It's, you know, all this hyperpalatable food that's filled with all the oils and uh, all the, sh- the sugar, the refined mm-hmm. sugar um, and the salt. It makes your brain want more. But when you don't have it, I mean, I couldn't believe I've go, I've, I, I travel from school to school. I go to teacher's room, and especially with the with the holidays, all of these things are on the teacher's room table, all of these sweet desserts. But I can walk in there, and I don't feel like my head's going to explode. I don't feel like, you know, I, I, I'm going to lose it. I see the cakes. I see the cookies. I'm not tempted to eat them. I look at them, but I know, like, this is not real food. So I, instead of feeling that deprivation, and I think, that's what sometimes used to get me in the past, and I think that's what is a stumbling block for some people is to think, oh, now I'm being deprived and I can't have this. I don't look at it that way. I said, this is not real food. There's a lot of um, junk and it's processed. And if I wanted to have something that's sweet, I can make a fruit sweetened dessert um, using whole food ingredients. If I want to have something sweet, I, I will do it. You know, it, it's so. funny. I, I love talking to you because... When you say abstinence is easier than moderation, it's kind of like telling someone like an alcoholic, oh, you can go have your little snippet of alcohol on the weekends and expect them to stay on track. It's not going to happen. And the same no. happens with food. And the, the tough part is, like you said, you know, over the holidays, these foods are accepted. There are, are food-like substances, maybe I should say. But they're all around us, so it makes it even harder. And when people think of it in that mindset of I'm being deprived, like you were saying, it makes it much harder. But your your mindset is actually making it harder. Your body will be fine without it. So I what I've figured out with some patients is they actually should start feeling sorry for people who are eating this way. Because, like, exactly. start projecting onto them what you felt. Like, imagine when they eat that, how they're going to feel. And honestly, it makes you feel pitiful for them and it makes it easier to walk away from those foods Mm. exactly if you like you said if you remember like i used to the heaviness that i felt you know literally figuratively after eating that you know your your stomach your head if you just at that moment that you're eating it you're getting that pleasure but then i would think it's like someone who's a drug addict or an alcoholic that's actively using you just you have that momentary pleasure and then afterwards you don't feel well your body doesn't feel well your mouth doesn't feel well. You just don't feel well. So is it worth it? You know, and I would tell myself, you know, that now I feel like it's it's a vow that I've made. I asked God to help heal my body. So if I then go and start eating all of these things again, so then God helped me, and then I'm, I'm going back on my promise to do what I'm supposed to do to heal the body that he gave me. 
So I feel like uh, for myself, you know, it's a spiritual journey as well because God helped me to heal my body. And so I can't go back on that. It, it will be like throwing it back in his face. So for me, it's, it's a spiritual journey. It's a physical journey. It's everything. Yeah, I mean, I love that that you brought in the spiritual component of that because God is here. He created us. We're his children. And when we, you know, treat our bodies like this, it is. It, it's, it's a disservice to him, and it keeps us from doing what we're here on life to do. You know, each of us has our own individual journey that he set us here to do, and it's hard to do that when you're sick and unable to get out of bed, you know, and even yeah. take care of your children without feeling like you're going to die soon. I mean, that's that's a sad state of affairs that many Americans find themselves in. And I'm curious, do you ever do intermittent fasting or anything like that? Because um, I know that's kind of a new thing, and there is some good evidence as far as, you know, not prolonged, prolonged fasting, but just intermittent fasting. Have you come across it or done anything like that? I have come across it, and, and I have, I think in the past couple of months, I've done it um, every once in a while. You know, I'll do, like, maybe 12, uh, make sure at least I get, like, 12 hours of intermittent fasting, sometimes, like, um, in between certain meals. I really try hard with, like, no snacking because my body does feel better, and like you said, with the evidence of fasting that how good it is um, for your body. So, you know, that's one of my goals this year is to do a lot more of that. So, like, right now... And it's fast. I haven't eaten since um, since dinner last night. Um, I still have not eaten. It's um, past 10, almost 10.30 uh, Eastern time. And I've worked out. I'm going to do a little bit more workout before I eat. So it's going to be much, much, much later. So it might even be 16 hours by the time I eat. So I, I do that um, I, at least once a week, a couple times a week. I try to stretch the time in, in between eating. For health, and also I want to take out more fat, and I read that that helps. So I'm I'm still on my journey because even though for me I was a size 24, and so people who have seen me, you know, who knew me before, or my family, sometimes they'll look at me a size six. Sometimes I wear some fours on, you know, on top. You know, my top is smaller than my bottom, so I'm working. I want them to match, and you know, and they're like, oh my goodness, but you can't get too small. You're too small. And I'm like, no, they're still. You know, I just keep listening back. I, I, I listen also to Eat to Live. I, you know, I have um, the audio, the CD in my car, and I listen. And so I'm listening to them sometimes to the book, and I'm like, you know, and I'm hearing Dr. Herman saying, well, some people, you know, will say to, to family members or friends, you know, it looks like you're getting too small. But if you're measuring the fat in your abdominal, you're actually not if you have more than one inch that you can, that you, can you know, pinch. And I'm like, yeah, I have more than one inch. So it's not just, okay, you can look cute in, in this outfit. It's about your health, you know, that excess fat, and especially for women, you know, you don't want all these additional hormones, you don't want that imbalance of hormones, you don't want, you know, blood sugar to be affected and all of that, so I'm like, it's not just, okay, you might look cute in these jeans or whatever, but it's still for health, so I'm still there, and, and I said, okay, this is the year, this is the year of no excuses, this is the year to ramp up, you know, so, you know, the, the weight training, um, so like a, a, it was like over a year ago, it was in August 2015 that okay, I reached my goal and then I had a back injury. So that kind of slowed me down with, you know, some of the exercise, I had to do physical therapy, chiropractor, I still have a chiropractor. He says, okay, you have to reduce the running. So a couple of weeks ago, I started the running again. Like I had started back other exercises slowly, but I said, okay, this is the year I'm going to do it. And so I'm running back again on the treadmill, not you know, on other hard surfaces just because I don't want to put the strain on my back. And I feel good. 
So this is yeah, this is the year of no excuses and to just ramp it up. Now imagine if you'd had a back injury a hundred pounds heavier, you'd probably still be <sighs> suffering, and it makes it much more difficult to, you know, overcome those injuries. And I think in America. Definitely. And, you know, and you mentioned, too, that your family members are saying, oh, you're too thin or whatever. I, I, I've had the same response. Um, not that I had significant weight loss or anything, but always, you know, people are like, oh, you're just so skinny. It's like, no, actually, this is a really healthy weight for my height. Um, we have a distorted sense of what is healthy in America because there are such a large proportion of Americans now overweight or morbidly obese. And it's unfortunate because as we make that a norm and acceptance, not that we should, you know, shame anyone or judge, no, but it's going to have prolonged health consequences. Our children's lifespan is actually projected to be shorter than ours. And um, that's unfortunate because my children are 22, 20, and 18. So, you know, we have those kiddos in that same generation. And it's, it's amazing to me to think that I would feed them anything that would harm them in the long run. You know, you're not going to have your kid smoke a cigarette. You're not going to, you know, have your kid drink alcohol. Um, why would you feed your children foods that are going to make them sick with chronic disease later in life? Exactly. And that's what I had to do when I said, if I'm going to make the change for myself, I should do it for my entire family. I can't, you know, I can't have my kids still eating um, that kind of junk. So it has to be, um, it has to be something for the whole family. And it's, it is tougher when you do have children because they're used to eating all of that. They're used to going to parties. They're used to in school. And I tell them, I'm not always with you. So, you know, I, I tell you, you know, this is the right choices. I tell you, this is what I'm reading. This is what I'm hearing. You watch different documentaries on, you know, whole food, plant-based diets. And so they know, and sometimes they'll know how they'll feel when they eat those things. So all I can do is encourage them. I have what I call the Healthy Exchange Program. Um, and my kids know the Healthy Exchange Program is if you're given something at school, you know, you can bring it home and I'll give you an alternative. So you can exchange it for a Larabar, a fruit sweet cookie or whatever, because sometimes they want that. So when they had pie day, which is, you know, okay, it's, um, it's mathematics, pie. It's not even the pie that you eat. But for pie day, my, my girls' school would give them little pies, you know, the, 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 the flour, white flour, sugar pies um, for pie day. And so I'm like, you know, so one year, maybe it was a year or two ago, um, the girls both, they had the pies. One of, one of them admitted, okay, mom, I just, I couldn't resist. I ate that pie. The other one said, okay, I'm bringing it home for the healthy exchange. I was like, yes. That is a so, wonderful you know, idea. Have you yeah, spoken? So, have you spoken to the school saying, you know, you guys have these pie days. Do you have a, a healthy exchange program for kids who can't or don't want to consume these products that are going to make them sick? Have you spoken to the schools about that? I mean, I've spoken to the people directly who work with my kids because they, you know, they do have um, teacher aides, you know, paraprofessionals who work with them and just say, I um, do not want them to eat, you know, candy. They have other, you know, I, I send them to school with the lunch with snacks. You, they don't need to eat these things. So they're pretty careful about it. So for my younger one who actually brought it home, it was, you know, her aide that said, okay, she bring it home to, because she didn't want her to have a meltdown. She has autism. You know, bring it home and show it to your mom. But she's very verbal and she understands a lot of things and she understands what's real food and not real food because she's even said it. This is not real food. Uh -huh. So she brought it home. My other one is older. So she just kind of felt like, well, I'm just going to, you know, do what I want. But then she didn't feel that great afterwards. So sometimes I think, you know, 
you have to learn those lessons as well. Um, yeah, it's a fine balance with parenting. You have to allow them to spread their wings and make those mistakes and suffer the consequences within reason. But that's how. They- but then I told her, I said, you know, this is not an issue. I know, whatever. And I said, you know, I said, remember, you have the healthy exchange. I mean, look, your sister, you know, she has two things now. She has the bar and she has this fruit sweet cookie. She has more. I was like, I will make you something like on the spot if it's not there, you know, if, if that's what it takes. Just so you can know you don't have to have this, you know, food type substance that, that's not going to be good for your body. Right. I think that's brilliant. I love that idea. I'm just coming up with all sorts of ideas. I'm going to have to steal from you. I'll give you credit, but it's pretty awesome. Um, It's wonderful. Things, you know, being a mom, you have to come up with these things, Uh, you know? You know, I I totally understand because I literally did this overnight as well about five years ago. And my husband ended up losing 65 pounds and he's only five, six. (laughs) Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, and his loss yet. He hasn't, you know, weighed himself, but he's still, he, he eats what I make, but you know, like if he goes to my mom's or you know other places, he may eat other things. So you know, mm. so his his loss is a little bit slower, but you know, he's still he's on this journey and he's working out as well. And he eats what I make, and he's gotten used to it. I mean, before with this, when I said, okay, we're gonna cut out salt, he's like, we're he's like, we're Haitian. Haitian people eat salt, <laughs> and I said, well, Haitian people also have a high rate of high blood pressure and a mm-hmm. high rate of diabetes. I mean, actually, people of color in general, you know, mm-hmm. a high rate of obesity. You know, black women and, you know, black girls, adolescents have the, a higher rate, they say, of of, of obesity. Right. So, so, yes, okay, we may eat more of the salt or whatever, but we're also more sick, so we really shouldn't. You know, I'm curious about your thoughts about that because, you know, when you, beyond the... Um, the racial component, but the, the social economics, do you feel like big food, fast food has targeted, you know, the lower social economic families, um, in the inner cities or rural America, you know, where they have food deserts, literally where there's a, a very high population, but there's not that healthy food. Do you feel like fast food is taking advantage of that to create this, um, you know, almost a, this addiction to it? I, I, I think so, because it's almost like a pusher, you know, you're going to go where, you know, you're going to find consumers. Mm -hmm. And so you find a lot of the, you know, fast food places all over in order to get to, you know, let's say a Whole Foods or other health food stores, you have to go a further distance. In the inner city, but um, not too far away. So I can drive maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes and I can get to uh, a health food store. And now there are more delivery services, which is good. So, like, even I have the Whole Foods now that delivers to my house, <laughs> um, which, is, which, is, which is awesome. So I think even though you have a lot of the fast food uh, places that kind of target the inner city and then they, you know, and people eat there. And sometimes, you know, we, we all make excuses and think, well, you know, like I would say in the past, it's, it's harder to eat healthy. It's, you know, it's more expensive. But then I thought, you know what, it's, it's really not true. Because first of all, it's more expensive to be sick. Secondly, when I think about the jump as being an itinerant teacher and going from school to school, sometimes I would stop by a store, um, get a candy bar, get chips, get whatever junk food. I would eat in between schools a lot of times. That was like a fix I would get. And it's almost like we're all now in America. We're obsessed. We're getting, we have to have all these snacks all the time. We have to have all these fixes 
and you know, and you even see the the, the industry targeting. I mean, I've I've seen on the subway, you know, listen to your cravings, and then they'll show you, you know, these hyperpatible foods that you're supposed to listen to your cravings for and get. So with the money that we spend, when I think about it, you know, that adds up. All of these candy bars and chips and cookies and all of these things, they add up. So if I could spend money on that or going to the fast food place and getting all of these other french fries or whatever the case may be. But frozen vegetables, I mean, I get frozen vegetables, a bag of them. You know, a lot of times they're on sale, 99 cents. So my freezer is always stocked. Like, I mean, if you open up my freezer, you know, it's stock full of frozen vegetables okay my refrigerator yes i have fresh vegetables as well but i don't want to have any excuses so if it's the broccoli that's on sale for the 99 cents i'm gonna buy like 10 of them and then i'm going to get you know whatever is like a dollar 50 okay i make it five of those kinds and you know the cauliflower i love cauliflower so i'll just get a bunch of that i don't care what the price is and i just stock up on those beans are pretty cheap dried beans so really the food is not that expensive as, you know, we tell ourselves that it is. It's, you know, it's more expensive. People always say, like, I'll see that in a lot of forums. You know, why is it more expensive to eat healthy? And, you know, and I like really to think of the amount of junk food that we eat and the amount of money that, that junk food industry makes. We spend a lot of money on junk. Um, right. If we divert some of those those funds to healthier choices, Mm -hmm. We can find, you know, 99 cents bag of broccoli. I mean, that's cheaper than most candy bars these days are like, you know, 99 cents. And, you know, you're not going to be satisfied after eating it. So you may as well just buy the broccoli for 99 cents and be happy. Exactly. And I just, you know, finished a three weeks where I did $50 per week budget on a whole food plant-based diet. And as I, I mean, you know, you can do this on a very restricted budget, eating a variety of flavors. I did Indian and Mexican and Italian and... American and you know it's just a matter of making the commitment like you did like you said that day I'm done December 27th I'm done and uh, making that decision to to get rid of the junk food and plus processed food costs money so every layer of process you know being the process of doing something to the food adds more money to it and you get less nutrients which make you sicker Um, thanks you're exactly right on that As, as far as your kids, how do they interact with other kids now when they're friends and stuff? Um, do they feel those pressures to eat like that from, from their friends and your, their peers? Uh, they feel it a little bit, but, you know, honestly, sometimes they're the ones, you know, telling their friends, you know, well, this is what they're eating or, you know, they have like hummus sandwiches, you know, and whole grain bread or, they, you know, they're eating, you know, they have more fruits. And they said, you know, well, sometimes my, you know, my friends, they're like, oh, they like that, you know, we have fruits and they like that. And so sometimes their friends are curious and they'll talk about it a little bit. I, you know, I tell them, well, you can't, you know, force people. You just just do what you're doing. Um, but my kids also have seen the transformation in me. They remember when I was obese. They remember when I couldn't move around a lot, you know, and they like the new me who, OK, we'll go to the park and we, I can play with them. I can, you know, race them and I can win, uh, you know, the, the race. <laughs> They like that new me that I'm more active. I'm not, you know, I don't want to just stay home because, you know, I, we, we always used to go out, but, you know, I, sometimes I'd just be like, geez, I don't feel like going to, you know, maybe next week we'll go to movies. When you're really, really big, you don't feel like doing a lot of things. I mean, it's just a lot of times you don't. 
So they've seen that, and we do things differently. Mm-hmm. You know, so if we even if we meet their friends and go to the movie theaters or whatever, they know they're like, okay, mom, I know you're gonna say we're gonna bring your own things if you want a snack. But they kind of like mine because if they go and they get, you know, some movie theaters have these little packs for kids and they have that popcorn that's full of butter and all candy and all of that. And I said, okay, we can make our own bags, okay? So we have our own movie pack that we, you know, that they can have. So they can have, so I'll put, you know, air pop popcorn for them and um, Larabar. So they have other alternatives and they know and, the, and their friends. So for my daughter, she wanted to have, when she turned 18, she wanted to have, she says, a chocolate cake. And so I had to do a healthy version. So I was like, okay, I use um, whole grain flour. I use, you know, old flour, ground doughs, you know, dates, you know, all, all of those things. And her friends were like shocked. They were like, oh my goodness, this is really good. So mm-hmm. they're, they're interested. So they know we're having a party. Is your mom making that, you know, date sweetened cake? <laughs> so, I mean, what kid would ask for a date sweetened cake? Right. And I think that gives us hope to know that this next generation, if we can get away from the message that they have, you know, they, to consume this stuff is okay and educate them properly and teach them how to cook. I mean, that's yeah. a, it's a skill that we don't teach our kids anymore because we are such a fast food nation. We drive throughs, you know, constantly just, you know, running here, running there, you know, maybe take, you know, one less sports um, and actually focus on eating at home you're going to have way more impact on their health long run by teaching them how to cook at home and eat healthy foods than joining the soccer team this year. You know, exactly, exactly. There's so much that's involved with our nutrition and you know, that cravings like Dr. Furman discusses is those micronutrients. Once you start consuming them, those Mm -hmm. cravings will subside, but those kids are having those same cravings. They're having behavioral issues. We wonder about, ADHD and kids are fatigued and overweight and you know you hear stories of children with type 2 diabetes and as you know yeah early as eight that I've seen personally they're probably even earlier when we were kids that didn't exist type 2 diabetes in children it's tough and you see a lot of kids now who are overweight and obese very young um and I sympathize I mean I was the kid who you know started getting chubby um by middle school is when I really started getting more chubby in high school, I was, I was obese. Mm-hmm. It's tough. You know, you feel self-conscious, but now you see it even younger. Right. Um, it, 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 it's, it's hard. And, the, and my kids, they know, you know, all of the diseases. My, my father died at age 61 from, you know, heart disease and, and diabetes. And unfortunately, my second younger, my second older um, brother died from complications of diabetes in his 40s. So I mean, he was in Haiti at the time, so, you know, harder to get the health care, but very young, mm. um, too young to have mm. passed away. Um, so I'm curious, so going back to Haiti, so were you born and raised there or were you raised here? Primarily? No, I was born, I was born and raised in, in Boston. Okay. Um, my husband was born in Haiti. Okay. Um, I'm just bilingual because my parents had just come and um, so they spoke Creole. So then I, 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 learned, I spoke Haitian Creole first. And then I learned English, so I'm I'm fully bilingual in both languages. That's amazing. I love anyone who can speak two languages. It blows my mind. Is have you traveled to Haiti? I have. I haven't in the past several years, but um, I used to travel a lot. Not since um, not since I've had children. So in that country, because you know they're just the poverty level is just astounding. 
what would they be able to eat healthier? Do you think that would be a, a possibility in that type of situation where they where they are? I think I think they would be. It's a matter of I think also education because yes, there's a lot of poverty in Haiti. But when you look at the staple of foods, a lot of Haitian people, you know, those who eat meat, you know, like to have the meat. And how does how is the meat cooked? With a lot of salt, a lot of seasoning, um, rice. It's always white rice. It won't be it, um, brown rice. But we also there's a potential to eat better because we eat a lot of beans. Mm. So you boiled beans, you can make bean stews. We eat a lot of um, sweet potatoes. You can make sweet... So it's just the education on eating things differently. Mm -hmm. So rice, like, oh my goodness. Well, I remember, you know, when I was younger, I would... I loved rice, like white rice. And if you slow... If, if you have a Haitian party and there's no rice, it's almost like, okay, you're not having a party because <laughs> there's the... You know, but it was always that white rice. So I think it's a matter of education. You can have brown rice. So when I, if I have a party... I have brown rice, and you know, at my party. So, if, you know, my mom or since other people bring, you know, other types of rice, but I have brown rice. Um, it's just a matter of taste. For me to get used to, you know, eating brown rice, black rice, wild rice, mm -hmm. you, you do get used to it. So it's education, trying something else. But we have the potential of people who are in the countryside. They have, so my husband used to say he would spend summers, you know, he was in the, he lived in the capital, but he would spend summers a lot of times with, his grandfather, who was in the countryside in the south, and in, in the part of um, Jacques Mel in the, in the south, and he, and his grandfather, he was like, you know, was oh, he said, I don't know how old the guy was, but he was out, you know, pushing a plow, you know, gardening and everything, and he's he was like, he used to eat a lot of sweet potatoes and you know a lot of vegetables, and he's like, when he was there, he was like, he felt better because he would, you know, in the country they would plant a lot of things and they would eat it, you know, boil the plantains. And eat them. You don't have to fry them. So he would eat a lot of that. He was like, he'd feel pretty good, you know, when he was on vacation there because he'd eat a lot of that because, you know, his grandfather was planting all of those things. Mm -hmm. And then they would have a lot of beans. So the potential is there. Mm -hmm. I think is the education, looking at looking at it a little differently. Um, that's, that's what I think. You know, it's interesting, too, because I, I watched a documentary on the NGOs um, that mm -hmm. have come into Haiti and what's happened is, per, you know, per this documentary, I, I've not been to Haiti. I've been to Uganda and experienced similar things like your husband was talking about, the rural villages planting everything. They're healthier um, yes. because they're eating what they can grow. Um, you know, we, we had a clinic, a four-day clinic, and out of 550 patients that we, we saw, we saw a couple of diabetics and a couple of hypertensives. But those are the individuals that had more oil. They were overweight, and they were eating more of those processed foods that they've seen Americans eat consuming. But with yes. that, but going back to the documentary, they're talking about how the NGOs and the, the aid that's just flowing into Haiti, you know, these clothes, but also the white rice and the different foods, it's actually taking the ability of the Haitians. For example, there was a, uh, some local Haitians who were uh, creating um, solar-powered lights for the streets. Yeah. And they were unable to sustain it very well because, well, the NGOs came in with the cheaper version and gave it away free. So why, yeah. why, why, what's the motive to work and to create businesses and get things going or food production and, or whatever when there's just this huge aid going into? So we're just, the cycle of poverty will continue. I mean, what do you, what do you guys think about that as far as the food? I mean, have you guys talked about that or anything like that with his family? 
I mean, a little bit. Uh, what we what we always think with Haitian politics is a lot of things because sometimes you know there's the corruption and all of that as well. But it's if if Haitian people were given an aid so that Haitian people can sustain things themselves, that would be good. It's not just giving things. So like you said, the people who are entrepreneurs, let them make some money also. This is their country. Let them, um, instead of just giving like white rice, help people so that the earth, you know, there's so many trees that are taken out, help to get, you know, more trees planted. The earth can give food that it's supposed to give food. So help in that way and then let people be able to help themselves and then they help themselves in any way, economically and then health-wise as well. Right, absolutely. That's incredible. So as far as being a teacher, have you implemented anything like this in your classroom or spoken to students? Or I mean, you said you were traveling, so I don't know what your, your system yeah, so is. Yeah, I don't have a classroom per se because I'm, I'm mostly working with students one-on-one, -on -one, sometimes um, very small groups because I'm traveling across a lot of schools in Boston um, teaching students who are blind and visually impaired. So a lot of my students, like, they'll know, you know, if they, they and, and the ones that I've had for a couple of years, they've, they've seen the change in me that, you know, I've, I've gotten a lot smaller and, you know, some, you know, just in talking, you know, what, what we're eating and for think every time it's around Thanksgiving, especially with the older students, I'm like, remember, you know, remember Miss B's one plate rule, <laughs> you know, I keep going back for more, I get one nice plate. Right. So things like that and, and colleagues, um, I think a lot of times will, will talk to me and um, just kind of surprised because they've seen my change, really, how I was before and how I am now. So I have um, colleagues across schools a lot of times that will just ask, well, what did you do and what are you doing? Some of them who've seen my story, you know, pop it, but at different places, um, they've seen um, Four for Silver Knives or, you know, there's another group called Black Women Losing Weight who, who featured my story and some people have seen it. They said, I saw something on Facebook, you know, people who didn't know me before. It's like, that was you before? And those that did know me, so it's good. A lot of people, I said, you know, I, um, I'm, you know, I did things differently. I saw a colleague actually. I was going in for a staff meeting, um, and in that school is um, a colleague who's a teacher. And but we went to high school together, so we're, we're also friends on Facebook. So she rolled down the window and she's like, "Hey, Marina," and you know, we talked for a minute. And she said, you know what, um, I, I, I finally I got the book Eat to Live because I remembered that, you know, you, you, you'll post about it. And she's seen my um, first, my, my journey page, you know, my plant-based God's grace. And then she was like, you know, I, I saw that, you know, that was the book that really, you know, um, got you going and that you followed um, to lose all the weight. So she was like, so I just started. She was like, I've already started to lose some weight. She was like, I, you know, over the holidays with the kids, you know, okay, some things kind of whatever, but I'm back on track and so I'm doing it. And I was like, awesome, you know, so I'll look forward to hearing more. So, you know, it's good sometimes to hear that other people who's, you know, have seen that and they're making a change. Um, I think it's only good. And, and to share that information, I share because I know where I was and um, whatever I can do to help someone on their journey I want to do, and we're all still learning. Like I'm, I'm, I'm still on the journey. I'm reading now, um, just about that whole industry of you know the hyperpalatable foods because I really want that to sink in. And I'm, and I'm trying to say to people, if you can just understand this, it's not about you know, it's not all about okay, just give me a recipe. No, it's understanding the food industry as well, and all of these hyperpalatable foods. And once you really know it, it's going to be easier for you to abstain and to resist 
feeding that cow because you're going to say, okay, they intentionally put all of this sugar, all of this oil, all of this salt in this food to make my taste buds go crazy and for me to stop. So once you really understand that, I think it's going to be easier for you to resist buying and eating it because who wants to be manipulated and to become ill? So I think reading about that constantly, rereading, you know, th those books that have helped me eat to live, eat for health and all of that, it, it helps watching different, you know, videos. It helps to just solidify that and know, okay, I'm not going back to where I was. You know, it's funny because I, I see parents and they get upset with, you know, if their children are being um, mistreated, for right, rightly so. Um, yeah. but, then, but then they will actually support a company whose priority is to create foods that will not only cause them an addiction, but cause them ill health. And then yeah. not think that that's the same as, you know, being upset if someone called your child a name or gave your child some drug that they become addicted to, marijuana or whatever. They understand that these food companies, why would we support a food company that literally is causing addiction? There's no benefit. These are nutrient depleted you know food mm -hmm. chemical substances why would we do that as parents i mean it just blows my mind it's like we're the addict we're addicted so now we have to create a family of addiction i mean it's just it's the worst kind of abuse and like you said i think is the addiction part because we can't help it so sometimes and i know going back and i think back okay how i was so that i can you know and i so i can understand where the parents are coming from you're so addicted to this thing, you know, like for me, I'm so addicted to the sugar. Sometimes we lie to ourselves, okay, I'm going to get these Oreos because, you know, the kids are going to want them. No, the kids are going to want them, but then you're also going to eat them too. So not lying to ourselves. So I had to stop lying to myself. If I'm getting these chips or these cookies, it's not just for the kids. And I know we all love our kids. So sometimes you will, oh, the kids, you know, that's going to make them happy and they're going to want it. But you know what? My kids' happiness they're going to be happier in the long run when they're healthier. So we love our kids and we all have the best of intentions for our kids. So let's to really love our kids and support them the way that we should. Let's try to give them a healthier future. You know, and some people say, well, you know, we're all going to die anyways. Well, you know what? I always say I can get God forbid I can get hit by a truck tomorrow, but I don't want to be the cause of my own demise or my children's demise. I want, to, I want to know that I did the best that I could for myself and for my children. And in, in people, I've, I've had that same excuse brought to me before. I was like, well, Dr. Marvis, I'm going to die anyway. I might as well die happy. I was like, really? So let's say you have a certain date 25 years from now. That is your date you're going to die. Now, there's many roads to get there. There's road of health where you are living the life you want, enjoying the things that God has blessed you with, you know, expressing uh, love to your family and you enjoy those times you're building memories you're traveling you're you're serving or there's this other road you could take oh now i have diabetes i have high blood pressure you have a stroke and you end up the last 15 years of that 25 years that you have left in a nursing home with dementia or unable to live the life that you have so yeah you're gonna die but what type of quality of life do you want i mean those are the choices that you're making. Yeah, you made, you're all going to die someday, but what, what about the quality of your life during that time? You know, I, I keep telling people you were meant to live long and die quick. You know, live that long and <laughs> healthy life, and then we're done. <laughs> Our body's done, we're gone. You know, and, and uh, we miss the point of 
understanding that there's more to life than the few seconds that those foods are in our mouth. That is it's not... That's talking. Yes. It really is because to to be, you know, die happy when, when, when and when people say that is the addiction that's talking, mm. like my father who died at the age of 61, he would always say, you know, and, and even then I wasn't eating healthy at that time, you know, and when he died, I was, you know, still very much obese, but I knew he had the diabetes. I knew he had the high blood pressure and he'd be like, you know, I'm going to have a piece of pie. And I'm to be like, you know, but you know, puppy, this is, you know, you, you, you have diabetes and he's like, you know what? I mean, this is like, like the Haitian way. I only have one day left on this earth. You know, this is, you know, this is just the Haitian way of saying it. And um, I'm going to eat what I want to. But then when he became very, very ill, I saw my father um, in the hospital, not being able to speak and just, you know, and he used to be a strong man. He was an auto mechanic, but just not being able to, you know, in a wheelchair. This is not dying happy. You know, this is not, this is, this was not happiness to die young and to be ill for all those years before then. So really it's a lie that we tell ourselves because we want that fix of those hyperpalatable foods, but it's not going to make us any happy. That, that moment of pleasure afterwards, it makes us feel guilty. It makes us feel bad physically, mentally and everything. It causes us to have more depression. It's not, it's not making us happy. But it's that addiction that's talking to us, that's telling us it's going to. Once we get out of it and we can abstain and just, it only takes a couple of weeks. It's just the same thing, with, you know, Dr. Herman says it. Um, and the Pleasure Trap, the authors of the Pleasure Trap says it. Just AJ, all the plant-based people always say it's the same thing. Your freedom, Dr. Norman Bernard, your freedom is just a couple of weeks away. If you could only hang on. And it's true. If you could only hang on, it's not willpower. I don't have any more willpower than anyone else. It's just the longer that you abstain from it, the easier it becomes. I mean, it, it just is. If the longer you can abstain, the easier it becomes. And then you find alternatives. You can eat fruits, you know, and it tastes good. You can really taste what God gave you to eat, you know, the real sugar of nature, the natural sweetness of fruits. Better. You know, it's funny, someone I know who just recently changed uh, their diet, they said within four days they were able to make a distinction between different flavors of foods that they were not <laughs> noticing before. And she's like, I just, I can't believe just within four days that that made such a big difference. And so, you can, yes, you can taste the real food. Like, oh my goodness, this is what a black bean really tastes like because it's not covered up with all of this salt, you know? It, it, it's just, it's huge. Even oatmeal, you know, I, I used to have oatmeal years ago. We'd eat oatmeal, but with sugar. I'm like, oh my, this oatmeal with just a plain banana. You can taste the, oh, you can taste real food. Right. I, we used to have oatmeal and we put uh, sugar and butter and whole milk. <laughs> that's the Haitian recipe. Oh, well, that's a white New Mexico Eastern way too, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a uh, an amazing thing when you look back in your childhood and you see those foods too and and how we were eating. Like we didn't have a whole lot of money, so we did we ate a lot of plant foods anyway, just because they were cheaper. We didn't eat a whole lot of meat, but um, so that was to my benefit. Um, we love cheese, boy oh boy. <laughs> I love cheese. <laughs> to my, my <laughs> yeah, I, I tell you, um, you know, Nalita, it was an awesome 
discussion with you. I have some new phrases I'm going to use, such as abstinence is easier than moderation, the healthy exchange program. I mean, it's just the addictions talking. I mean, I love that. I just, you brought it, you brought forth some very clear and easy ways to express to people what, you know, it's hard to explain. Sometimes when they're saying, but, you know, just a little bit, I need my cheat meal. Mm, abstinence is easier than moderation. I was like, that's my, my Nalita quotes. I didn't, and I didn't even make it up. I think I've heard it from a lot of people, you know, a lot of other plant-based because it just is, right. you know, it just is easier in a way that I could not have imagined until I did it. Right. That it, it, that it would be so freeing that I didn't have to then struggle and think about it. Well, maybe am I going to have a little bit of that? I just didn't have to think about it anymore. I just... I don't eat that. And I, and it's not a matter of feeling deprived about it. It's yeah. being free. And I like that. I like that, that visual of being free. You're like you're cutting those leashes or tethers that are holding you down from just doing what you want, eating the food you want. You're just literally cutting it off. You're done. You're done. Yes. It's wonderful. So is there any last little bit of tidbits of information or advice that you would like to give to our listeners? I would just say, like I said, there's nothing that's more extraordinary than me. I mean, I don't want to say, you know, some people say, well, you know, I'm not going to say I'm just a mother. I'm just, no, I'm, I'm a person. We all have that potential to do something extraordinary. There's nothing that's more extraordinary than me, um, than anyone else. If I can do this, um, I'm an ordinary person. If I can do this, anybody can do it. It's not. I mean, people look at it, and, and if you're looking at it, it's impossible from where you're starting off. And I, I mean, when I really look at my before pictures, and I'm like, oh my, and, and sometimes it helps me sometimes because I'm like, oh my goodness, I have to still work on these abs. And then I look at where I was, and I'm like, literally, I never really saw that until I looked at that picture. I'm like, oh my goodness, I, I really look like I was like nine months pregnant all the time. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And if I can do this, anybody can do it. It is, it's, is feasible. Keep it simple, I would say, because a lot of times we're asking for recipes. And I'll change things up a lot of times, but I mean, you can ask my husband and my kids. We eat a lot of bean, veggie, sweet potato stews, okay? We just do. I, I'll make it, and sometimes, okay, I'll take the leftovers, I'll add more beans to it, I'll add, you know, um, unsalted, just plain diced tomatoes to it, and then we'll have it the next day, maybe with roasted sweet potatoes. Then we could have, you know, Brown black rice, you know, add a lot of vegetables, roast vegetables. We roast a lot of vegetables and make it simple. Mm -hmm. Just buy a bunch of frozen vegetables as well. They're easy. Put them on parchment paper and cook them in the oven, for, you know, for like 45 minutes to an hour. That's it. You have, you have a lot to work with. So keep it simple. A lot of fruits, a lot of vegetables, beans, all of these things, the bee bombs, you know, as Dr. Perman says. <laughs> keep it simple. I mean, don't overcomplicate it. Right. And I think people do, they just, our minds start going and we just freak ourselves out about, oh my goodness, I'm in the kitchen and I don't know how to cook this way. It's like, yes, you do. You just need to calm down. And if you screw up, it's okay. Yes, okay. You're not, nobody's... it's just, just make some soups, have some salads, eat some fruits, it, it, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's just a Roast kitchen. <laughs> exactly. It's literally a kitchen. You put some pot, you put some water, you boil some veggies, you make some beans, whatever. You know, th just experiment. Don't be afraid to fail. It's okay. You, you may discover something you enjoy. So, <laughs> that don't have to be a gourmet cook. I love I love to cook. I mean, if I'm gonna make something, you know, sometimes I'll say, okay, I'm gonna make a cashew um, cream. I saw, you know, I kind of changed it up a little bit, 
you know, and just made a, a sauce, which I use as a salad dressing, just with cashews, you know, mm -hmm. add water, a bit of liquid aminos, and then make a sauce. And I could use that sauce, you know, put it over the veggies. You know, it changes it up. My kids think, you know, this is gourmet. I'm cooking from scratch. I like to cook from scratch. Right. So I like, if someone is not a cook and they don't like to cook from scratch, keep it simple. Just, you know, you don't have to chop up anything. You don't have to be, you know, like I'm chopping up. I've got knife set. No, just roast, put those potatoes into the oven, roast them, you know, sweet potatoes, you know, and yams. You know, you get boil your beans, mm -hmm. you know, take vegetables, just take the raw fruits, you know, a little handful of raw nuts. That's it. Just keep it simple. Uh, that That's my thing. Don't overcomplicate it because really it's not that complicated. It's less complicated than the, the, the standard American diet um, way. Oh, I agree 100 percent. So at the end of every podcast, I always like to give uh, acknowledgement to the people who have come and shared their stories and say thank you. Um, for all that you've done and all the people that you're going to affect and share and have that ripple effect of health, which will be really fun to see about, like, your colleague that you had mentioned and your children and your husband. And uh, say thank you for them, and thank you for sharing your story with me today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Enjoyed speaking with you. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you.